0: Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Monday, June 20th. A happy belated Father's Day to all the dads out there. I'm excited to announce that my wife is pregnant with our second, and it's a boy. So, any and all tips of parenting a boy out there, uh, shoot them my way. I'm happy to hear them. I've been a girl dad for two years now, and I've loved every single second of it. So, very excited now to be a boy dad soon, too. We've got a great show for you today. We'll be talking big travel news and then taking a dive into what to expect during the summer travel season now, as uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, June 21st, is the first official day of summer. And i got to ask you all, though, have you ever encountered a situation when traveling where you felt a little uncomfortable? You know, I've definitely been there, but I wanted to highlight a fellow podcast out there that touches on ethical travel. It's all about that. Each week, Unpacked by Afar, we'll unpack a single ethically complex question, Say, how can I travel with a lighter footprint without spending hours researching zero-waste travel hacks? Or, I know I shouldn't ride on an elephant, but should I swim with dolphins? When it comes to animal tourism, how do I figure out what's okay and what's not? So through a mix of first-person stories and interviews with experts in the field, Unpacked will explore answers to those questions and offer new ways to engage with places that we visit and the people that we meet. Because the world is complicated. Being an ethical traveler doesn't have to be. So that show just launched. Definitely recommend you guys check it out. Good stuff there, especially if you're focused on, you know, improving your travel and being an ethical traveler out there. So definitely recommend that. Coming up later on today's episode, I'll be joined by Chris Davidson, executive vice president of MMGY Travel Intelligence. Chris and I will take a deep dive into what the traveler data has to tell us about the 2022 summer travel outlook. Some good insights there on the summer travel season, but first... As we do for every show, in case this is your first time listening, let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. We begin with the airline sector, as it was a rough weekend for air travel. There were nearly 20,000 flight delays and almost 4,000 cancellations over the four days. The last four days, it was a rough go there. So the TSA screened 2.3 million travelers on Sunday, June 19th. That made it 15 straight days of over 2 million passengers. Great sign of recovery for the industry. Love to see that. Continue rolling with that two points. 1, 2.2, 2.3, all the, all the 2 million numbers, so anyone uh, care to make a bold prediction out there on how things are going to go during the busy July 4th holiday weekend, any numbers you want to throw out, shoot them my way, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email, you can reach out, but you know, we had uh, Memorial Day, had just over 2,000 cancellations, and this past weekend June was Juneteenth and Father's Day, so holiday weekend, a lot of people have today Monday off. And it, uh, to have that result in a double of what Memorial Day's weekend's troubles were, Oh, that's not good. It's, a, it's kind of a shame that we're, things are getting worse here. Unfortunate of what we're having to deal with, so just be cautious of that as you travel out soon. But, you know, it certainly doesn't make you feel all that good about things for July 4th holiday weekend. Am I right? I will be flying that weekend. Actually, Saturday, July 2nd, I return home from the Disney Wish Christening Cruise event, so I'll be sure to provide a firsthand story on my experiences following that trip and the July 5th episode of the podcast here. So here's hoping things will go smoothly for all of us traveling this coming holiday. You know, with the recent news um, from the CDC recommending that children six months to uh, five years of age can now receive the vaccine, I think we're going to see more families traveling in 2022, especially later on this year once kids can get fully vaccinated and all that. So that that's, that's good for the industry too. Family travel is huge, and a lot of people have just been kind of, you know, hitting the road and visiting family and that kind of stuff. So maybe this will open up more people out there to uh, travel you know, internationally, or hit the all-inclusive resorts in the Caribbean, or, or something like that. I think that all of that goes a long way into helping the industry in its path to recovery. One of those people that were impacted in the weekend's air travel woes, though, was U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. He actually had a virtual meeting on Thursday with U.S. airline CEOs, and he voiced his displeasure with all these cancellations and delays and the issues that have been happening. Uh, and then a couple of days later, there he was having an issue of his own. Uh, His flight was canceled and he was forced to drive from Washington, D.C. to New York. And that led him to uh, coming out and saying that his department has the authority to enforce action against airlines that do not sufficiently maintain consumer protection standards, potentially requiring them to hire more staff, saying, quote, that is happening to a lot of people. And that is exactly why we are paying close attention here to what can be done and how to make sure that the airlines are delivering, end quote. And that's what... uh, Pete told the Associated Press on Saturday. So this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out and whether or not the government will be stepping in to do something in some capacity this summer. Obviously, you know they bailed out the airlines, gave a lot of money there, so do what you got to do, I guess is how they're how I'm, I'm feeling on that, you know. Airlines got a lot of money. Let's let's see you guys deliver and and kind of handle this situation a little bit better than how things have been. So the industry does not need that does not need more chaos over the summer. We've already having chaos on the pricing front. So, you know, let's just get these people on board and on time and out and enjoying travel. That's not so hard, right? I mean, it shouldn't be, but it, it is at the moment, unfortunately. That's kind of where we're at. But we do know the demand for travel is there, though, as new data from the Airlines Reporting Corp showed that the accredited travel agency air ticket sales totaled $8.4 billion in May of 2022. So that's over $8 billion for the first time since January of 2020 before the pandemic. So huge signs of industry recovery are happening left and right. IAD is coming out and saying the airlines will be fully profitable in 2023. So that's a great indicator, too, of, of travel industry recovery. Previously, they had been saying 24, 25 on that stuff from stories that we ran, you know, I want to say six months ago, but definitely a year ago, they were forecasting 24. So to, to be here where we're at now and to say, OK, no, it's going to be 23. You know, that, that's certainly good for the industry. Love to see that there. Also love to see the big news that happened last week in the world of cruising. Viking recently announced that it became the first cruise line to no longer require pre-voyage coronavirus testing in destinations where it's not mandated. Passengers on Viking ocean, river, and expedition cruises are highly recommended but not required to take a COVID-19 test no more than three days before their journey. In addition to lifting pre-cruising testing, Viking will no longer conduct daily onboard COVID tests, but the cruise line will still employ medical personnel to provide testing if passengers report any symptoms. Absolutely needed. That's going to be a thing industry standard moving forward as far as making sure you have you know the enough medical personnel on on board to handle any sort of situations like this. You know, Viking does require that all guests be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 at least 14 days before travel. So with that in place and making sure it's 100% vaccinated on board, I I get this whole dropping of things. So will other cruise lines follow in dropping this pre Uh, Cruise testing requirements. So far, no announcements have been made, and I think we will eventually get to this point. But I know many in the industry want it, as clear evidence as based on the comments from a recent column we posted on this topic of why it's time to stop COVID testing on board cruise ships. Was the was uh, a column written by John Maddox, a cruise travel advisor and former guest of the podcast here. All that said, though. I just don't see the other major jump, uh, major lines jumping on this change uh, relatively soon in time. Sure, yes, but but you know this week, I don't see it. I'd love to be wrong. Don't get you know, I would love that, but I just don't see it. You know, the to adhere to the CDC's highly vaccinated standard, cruise ships out there must mainha- maintain a minimum of ninety percent of passengers vaccinated. Um, no requirement like this has been in place for air travel. You know, hotels, theme parks, all of that, but. So the cruise industry, you know, still has to deal with that. There were a couple episodes ago on the podcast, we, with John actually who wrote that column, you know, we, we pondered, is the cruise line being treated unfairly at this time? And that's, you know, what they're facing at this moment, but, you know, they're under a microscope and the last thing they need is for the mainstream media to jump all over them and hurling things like major outbreak at the sign of, you know, something that's probably small, but, you know, they're going to jump on that and, and, you know, use those huge headlines that they want. to try to entice people to shape their opinions but you know there are people out there who just love to attack the cruise industry for whatever reason they see it as an easy target at times and they know people don't like it so they just kind of feed into that beast if you will and which i think is very unfortunate for the cruise industry and really for mainstream media in general too but you know right now i i just expect uh testing prior to boarding to remain a requirement for cruising probably throughout the summer but you know from there who really knows on this i'd like to to think at some point in 2022, we're going to reach a point where we take a step forward and remove all of these types of things. And we just kind of get back to normalcy in some capacity, but that's probably just wishful thinking on my part. What say you? Let me know your thoughts. Podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. So again, though, as I've said numerous times over the uh, last year, I think cruising is still the safest form of travel right now. It honestly might be the most affordable bang for your buck too. You're gonna visit multiple destinations, you only have to unpack once, and with everything going on with inflation right now, you know you might be able to get more out of your dollar by going on the cruise option. And you can also find some deals as multiple cruise lines um, drop deals in the last week too. You know, so you can save some money. Princess Cruises is offering discounts of up to forty percent. The deal, which is good through August 31st, 2022, offers up to forty percent off of 2022 itineraries and up to twenty five percent off on 2023 voyages. Norwegian Cruise Line extended their 35% off sale. The Cruise Line is offering 35% off all cruises through June 30th, along with free alcoholic beverages, specialty dining, excursions, and free airfare for the second guest in a room. That's an awesome deal, and Norwegian is a great cruise line, so definitely check that out. We've also got Azamara recently launched an Exploration Made Easy promotion that offers a $250 onboard credit Through June 24th. So if you're listening to this after June 24th, subscribe to the podcast and you can get these sort of things right delivered to you quickly. So uh, that promotion is available on select sailings from September 16th, 2022 to May 5th, 2023. The promotion can also be combined with Azamara's current offer of 50% savings on fares for the second passenger in a stateroom, as well as an additional $500 onboard credit. So there are deals out there. You just got to know where to look. And if you're a consumer traveler listening right now, the best way to start is by working with a travel advisor. I've always said that, and I will maintain that. So make sure you're working with a travel advisor out there if you're not already. Advisors can help you navigate the continuously changing landscape of destination protocols. More and more places are reopening, and the travel demand increases. So, And I know there's one particular place that a lot of people have long been wanting to visit, and they've been one of the strictest throughout the last two years, and that is New Zealand. But hey we got some good news there. Beginning today, travelers entering New Zealand will no longer need to take a COVID-19 test prior to arrival. Travelers are also now required, no longer required to complete the New Zealand Traveler Declaration Form. So that's making it easier to enter into New Zealand. However, all travelers to New Zealand are required to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and you have to obtain a traveler visa and adhere to the post-arrival testing requirements. So still a little bit difficult In that sense, it's not fully open and easy like, you know, Mexico is for American travelers. And obviously, it's going to be a very long trip to get there. But you're probably going to experience less crowds. So if you can afford that and you have the luxury, you have the time, it's a little bit easier to get into New Zealand now. You don't have to take that test to get there. And you don't have to take a test to come back into the United States either now that that has dropped too. So something to think about if uh, New Zealand has long been on your bucket list. Give it a check and, um, you know, see what you can find as far as, you know, pricing might be a little... A little difficult there, but then again, you know, you're not going to have a ton of tourists there with you either. Other great destination news right now, Bahamas has now eliminated testing requirements for fully vaccinated travelers, and they also ended their travel health visa requirements. So any unvaccinated travelers wanting to go to Bahamas can do so, but the new rule in place now is travelers aged two and older must present a negative COVID test. Previously, it was unvaccinated travelers 12 and older only had to do that. But as I said earlier in the show, it's been approved for the little ones now to get vaccinated. So I think we'll see more families traveling in 2022 as more kids get vaccinated. And in another last piece here of the destination news, a sign that the travel industry is kind of thriving here. Italy is back to dealing with over tourism, unfortunately, but it is what it is. Italy is high on a lot of people's travel list out there. And, you know, they were hit by the pandemic and really hard at times. And now they're slowly but surely coming back and you're starting to see big crowds and the big popular destinations. One of those is the Amalfi Coast. So Italian officials are putting a plan in place to limit the number of tourists that are going to be driving on that iconic road there in the Amalfi Coast to see, you know, such beautiful sights and scenery there. So now it's license plates ending in odd numbers can only use the road between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. on odd number days. And if you have a license plate with an even number, you can only go on even number days at the 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. window there. So certainly an interesting plan. And You know, it's been um, met with some mixed reviews there by some in the area who work in the travel industry. It's, you know, designed to help the busy tourist season be a bit more manageable for the local residents. But, you know, some see it as a necessity, but others see it as a disaster that will discourage tourists from actually visiting. visiting. Given that it is an iconic bucket list place for many, I don't think it's going to discourage that many travelers as some of these people who are, you know, raising up in arms over in Italy might think. It's definitely going to impact travelers' decisions, but if someone booked a ticket to Italy because they want to see the Amalfi Coast, they're not going to let this rule stop them. Now, it might be, you know, hindering some people who haven't booked yet or thinking about that, and they see this and say, well, I don't want to have to deal with that, and I don't want to plan my schedule around that, blah, 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 you know, maybe you don't even want that tourist, but hey, you know, this uh, they might pick a different location in Italy, but to knock off their bucket list, but, yeah, you know, I think that's a small number of uh, travelers out there who are probably thinking like that anyway. So if, if someone wants to go to the Amalfi Coast, I don't, this is kind of a small thing in terms of just regulating when, which day you can go and just plan your trip around that. Again, if you're, that traveler is working with a travel advisor, that advisor is going to set them up and make sure they plan that on that specific day. And it's going to be easy and not even something that people are going to be thinking about that all that much. So not a huge thing, but certainly an interesting piece of news that was out there. A lot of interesting news out there in the in the travel space, but, you know, we are low in time. We need to jump over to our interview segment of the show this week. So that is what was trending in travel. Any additional thoughts, you can drop me an email, podcast at TravelPulse.com. And now joining me on the podcast is Chris Davidson, Executive Vice President of MMGY Travel Intelligence. Welcome to the show, Chris. Tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and MMGY. Great.
1: Thanks, Eric. Happy to be here, and thanks for the invitation. Uh, I've been with M- MMGY now over 18 years, hard to believe, but uh, we uh, do uh, marketing, integrated marketing across the uh, spectrum of uh, marketing channels uh, exclusively in the travel, hospitality and tourism sector. So I'm doing that for almost 40 years as a company. And I oversee our travel intelligence group, which includes uh, syndicated research such as DK Shifflett, travel performance monitor and all of our travel performance data as well as our Portrait of American Travelers. We've been doing now for 33 consecutive years. Uh, new, Newly introduced our uh, Portrait of American International Travelers and soon to be our Portrait of European Travelers study as well. We also do an awful lot of custom uh, work in the brand area of brand strategy and brand identity and uh, in many other aspects as well. So, again, appreciate the opportunity today to talk about what's happening in the travel world.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Always appreciated. So as you mentioned, you know, the portrait of American traveler, you guys have been doing that for a while and research is so important in today's industry, and especially everything that's happened over the last two years. So it's good to get an insight of, you know, what are American travelers thinking? So you guys did recently unveil that summer edition of the Portrait of American Traveler. So what does the recent research indicate about summer travel? And how do you think the dropping of the uh, pre-departure testing rule is going to change things this summer?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the I would say overall, what we're seeing is very, very positive. So we have, uh, you know, the indicators for the summer travel season especially continue to be very, very strong. Uh, we have uh, 65% of uh, U.S. adults now say they expect to travel in the next six months. Uh, that is down a little bit from the 72% we recorded last spring. But you know, the, when we break down the data, we see that that you know the difference largely comes in uh, based on a household income basis, and to some extent, a generational basis, which is oftentimes connected. So, what we're seeing is that if you make under one hundred thousand dollars annual household income, your travel intentions have definitely gone down, related to you know from uh, summer compared to spring. Um, and, and that's it's, it's gone down a little bit, not a ton, but definitely a little bit, although it stayed pretty flat and, turn, and, and very strong, uh, but pretty flat when it comes to uh, those who make over $100,000 a year. And so we are starting to see some of the inflationary pressures, gas prices, things starting to impact decision making. However, we're also seeing a rising expectation in terms of uh, travel spending over the next 12 months, uh, especially, again, from that household income uh you know, the audience a little bit on the little bit higher end of that spectrum. So we are seeing, you know, they were up about 25 percent in terms of expected travel uh, spending over the next 12 months unbalanced. Although we are seeing that uh, tempered quite a bit at the lower end Uh, generationally, especially Gen Z and and, uh, millennials are, uh, a little bit more tempered on that front. Boom, uh, boomers expect to spend uh, now almost four thousand dollars a year on travel on balance as a mean number over the next twelve months. So you asked a question about you know what we expect the pre you know the elimination of the pre pre-tra- travel testing requirements um, you know to do and you know we we were actually out in the field uh, with a survey immediately after that was announced last weekend, uh, both here in the U.S. as well as in the U.K. And one of the things that we learned from that is people are pretty excited about that <laughs> overall. And we saw that, uh, you know, I think it was, uh, I think it was 30, 35 percent, I have to look at my note, but I think it's 35 percent of U.S. respondents uh, said they were more likely to consider booking a trip uh, internationally as a result of that being eliminated. Now, that obviously doesn't mean 35 percent more people uh, balance will be going, but it does say that it's having an impact on consideration you know, for international travel in a pretty significant way. That's outbound U.S. travel with the expectation that returning to the country will be a little bit easier. They don't have the concern potentially of being detained if they you know, test positive and have to quarantine overseas somewhere and have to figure that out. So that definitely has a pretty significant impact. That number gets even more dramatic when you look at uh, the British audience. So we talked, again, in in the UK specifically, but 52% of respondents to the uh, UK survey said that they're more likely to book a trip to the US now as a result of that news. So, again, we know that won't cause a 52% spike in visitation, but it's certainly a significant factor for people. That and the, the rising cost of travel are, you know, clearly, the, you know, the top two uh, factors affecting a decision-making for that UK traveler thinking about going to the U, coming here to the U.S. So, uh, yeah, it's, again, unbalanced, a very positive, uh, you know, set of data that we are looking at, and we do expect uh, the impact or the, the overall travel spending to be Uh, very strong this summer. I do have some concerns as we get into the fall and and into next year that uh, the inflationary pressures will, uh, will start to impact travel spending a little bit more across the board.
0: Yeah, certainly the pricing is is key on, on a lot of things in the industry right now, but certainly good signs, you know, with that pre-departure testing rule uh, being dropped and uh, the strong indicators that it is, you know, making impacts on decisions, whether we'll see that, you know, six months from now, what sort of, you know, dollars and cents of that we'll, we'll see will, will definitely be interesting, but certainly yeah. good for the industry and its path towards recovery on, on that front. So with rising prices, you know, being a concern, what do you think is the long-term impact of the current inflation that we're facing right now in the travel industry?
1: Well, clearly, it's going to I think catch up with us a bit in terms of the you know there there's been a fair amount of um, you know what's called what's been called revenge travel you know money that's been saved up to really invest in that you know uh, major travel purchase and getting back out there and uh, really wanting to uh, you know. Be, you know, have that or the pent-up demand has obviously caused a, a rising a real spike in, in travel demand so that is you know something that clearly in the short term is helping to spur travel I mean demand is through the roof you tried to book a hotel lately or an airline flight or you know look at what the cost of it uh, their occupant or the availability of, of seats and, and rooms is relatively low and the prices are relatively high so uh demand is very very strong right now But I think as, uh, you know, things like, again, rising gas prices start to impact how people travel, whether or not they'll impact whether or not people will travel in the summer, I think it remains to be seen. You know, there's been talk of, you know, kind of that magic number of, you know, at a per gallon basis of $5.25 or so, when people really truly start to, uh, you know, scale back or make decisions that are different. Um, in terms of travel or not travel. But what we see in our data is that people tell us they're still going to continue to travel even amidst the rising gas prices. They're just going to travel a little bit differently. So they'll travel, they'll stay a little bit closer to home. They might eat in instead of eating out while they're traveling or spend a little bit more on some of the discretionary items like shopping or entertainment, that type of thing. But a much lower percentage of people say they're going to delay or cancel their trips as a result of that. It's just how they allocate their budget. Gotcha. Uh, But but I do expect, yeah, I do expect as we go into uh, the fall, as we start to, you know, get out of that summer travel season, I think people will uh, be a little bit more reticent, certainly to pay the prices that that we're seeing now. And I do, I do expect that, you know, the impact of uh, the rising prices um, to to have a a much greater impact as we go. We're, We're looking at 2023. As a, you know, just a, we were watching carefully in terms of what demand is, because I think that was where that's probably where we would see the impact if prices remain and inflation remains where it is today.
0: Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with 2023. And I'm, I'm really, really intrigued by how, you know, winter and holiday season for the end of 2022. And then as you get into January, what's that going to be like? And what, what sort of numbers are we going to see in air travel? And, you know, gas prices, too, who knows what things will be like by then, hopefully a lot lower than what we're seeing right now, obviously. But that's, you yeah. know, could be wishful thinking on my part in there and everything. But as far as, you know, the demand there, as you, you've been saying, but where where are people going? What are some of the destinations that are hot right now in the US and internationally as well?
1: Well, one of the things we measure in our study is we look at uh, it's we don't term it dream destinations, but we ask about over 60 domestic destinations where we're looking for and we're measuring interest in visiting those destinations over the next two years. So it's not a strong intent. I definitely plan to go there in the next six months, but rather more. These are places I'd really like to go sometime in the next couple of years. And then we rank order that and we we follow that trend over time. But one of the things we saw over the past couple of years is that there was declining interest in some of the major metropolitan markets given COVID. That's not surprising, I'm sure, to most people. Uh, Cities like New York and L.A., San Francisco, um, uh, Orlando, even some of these destinations that were Uh, are perceived to probably be a little bit more crowded or congested, Uh, those are destinations that were taking a step back. Also destinations like Seattle, Portland, uh, we saw in Minneapolis, you know, some of the impact of uh, the social unrest or the protests and things that were taking place. We saw that impacting the appeal appeal of those destinations as vacation destinations. So uh, those are the things that we started, you know, that we were watching closely. Uh, now as we're you know emerging from COVID and COVID is by the way you know, one of the things that we're seeing is uh, definitely less important in, in terms of in, uh, potential influence or impact on travel decision making uh, took a significant decline in that in that regard this quarter which is great news down from forty two percent of people saying it was impacting their travel down to about twenty seven percent this quarter and that's uh, but at the same time a rising cost of travel moved above that. So now that's the top factor that's uh, a potential barrier to, to travel. But so some of the destinations that we started to see now is as that happens uh metropolitan destinations uh, new york specifically is one we're seeing uh you know las vegas is climbed you know again so those two destinations and others that are uh you know again considered to be larger more crowded typically destinations are really starting to come back in terms of their appeal based on the data that we're seeing um the hawaiian islands uh, are are always near the top of the list and we ask about a couple of different islands the island of hawaii the uh you know maui and Kauai and so forth and those always uh, rate very very highly uh, las vegas for the first time really moved in uh, right up to the top uh, with those des- with the hawaiian destinations uh to be you know the most desired destination of choice over the next couple of years moving ahead slightly ahead of uh, the florida keys in that regard and uh, but again we're seeing yeah you know, the trend has been towards you know some larger metropolitan markets are starting to to return to their kind of previous place of overall appeal in the top 10
0: fascinating yeah it's interesting with vegas there i feel maybe that's means to you know the fact that there's so many rooms there as opposed to like florida keys florida keys just seems to me like much more of a summer desired destination as opposed to to vegas so that's interesting that vegas is taking a rise but not too surprising given how you know the vast majority of of, of things to do there that's the, the variety should i say not majority there uh, of, of things to do so certainly interesting
1: yeah, it's it's Vegas is a is a, a real anomaly in many ways, <laughs> for lots of reasons. But you know, I think Steve Wynn once told us when we were you know, working with them that you know Vegas is all about choice. If you think about one word to define Vegas, it's it's choice because there, uh, whether you want a, a an easy you know, cheap buffet meal or you want a you know a Michelin three star restaurant. Uh, you can find it usually within about 100 yards of where you're standing. So it is an amazing, and that's just on the food and beverage side, obviously. But it is, uh, it's a real interesting destination. But it is, you know, the appeal continues to rise and really is, you know, for the first time in what we're, we're, we're looking at, considered to be one of the top, uh, or the top, right at the top of uh, all destinations we ask about.
0: Good for Vegas. They're, they're thriving on, on that. They also just released, too, they had some really good numbers on um, air, airline status, too, of arrivals and everything. So, yeah, that kind of lines in with that too. So uh, as you've been doing these, you know, Portrait of American Travelers and everything over the years, what do you think you've learned, you know, from years past and how things have changed with the pandemic and stuff?
1: Well, I mean, what have we learned? We, I mean, we, we, we've watched, I mean, things like you know, there's tons of things that we've learned. We we track, you know, every, you know, the way we structured the, the the portrait studies. Now we we move from an annual study, which it was prior to 2021. Uh, starting in 2021, we moved to a quarterly study. So we're tracking trends over on a quarterly basis, and uh, we include certain. Uh, data points or questions content every quarter so we're looking at travel intentions and travel spending and safety perceptions and destination interest and and, and a range of other things we, we measure each and every quarter and then we introduce uh, a certain you know number of topical modules about three to four of those each and every quarter uh in that and then we change that every quarter and then we replicate you know that content on an annual basis so we're looking at year-over-year trends so just in terms of structure but they're so the things that we're learning I and mean, we've seen the rising uh, uh, you know, importance and, and you know, expectations of using travel advisors, uh, which has been pretty you know, fascinating to track. Uh, we did see that take a step back a little bit in the most recent numbers in terms of those in you know, the percentage of travelers who expect to use a travel advisor in the next 12 months. But we believe that's also because we're seeing a, a little bit lower incidence of travel reported by uh, the younger generations. And younger generations and our data are actually the generations most likely to say they're planning to use a travel advisor. So we think that's very very much connected you know road trips i mean road trip seems like a pretty basic thing that's been around for a long time but you know we look at you know 2014 data in terms of those and you know, percentage of people who reported uh taking a road trip in the past 12 months and that number was around 33 well that number is up to um almost 70 i think it's uh actually about 67 as i recall and you know, in in terms of the most recent data, and it's been a steady increase each and every year, even through COVID. And you know, we're seeing the expectations of a future road trip has has risen uh, in a similar trend line uh, you know, as well. And and that one's pretty interesting, looking at how you know the 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 idea of spontaneity is impacting uh, you know people's you know, desire to get out and explore a little bit. And, It'll be interesting to see how the colliding you know, how the factors of uh you know lower availability rising prices and that you know desire for spontaneity you know kind of collide in terms of people looking at uh travel experiences for this summer so as we're advising people on what to what to be thinking about what to be doing it's uh, <laughs> the the overriding uh, piece of advice is uh, book early book now because you know we are seeing that uh, it is uh, the expectation that what's going to be available when you want to travel is is pretty tight to some
0: absolutely yeah you cannot hesitate When it comes to booking summer travel right now. So that is a key point of advice there. And interesting stuff about the, you know, using a travel advisor. So I think a lot of travel advisors listening right now too, you know, definitely check out the Portrait of American Traveler stuff, because I think you can learn a lot about, you know, what the American traveler is thinking and utilize that in your business as well. So great stuff there. Any additional advice uh, advice you'd want to pass on to our uh, traveler, traveler listeners or travel advisor listeners um, for this summer?
1: Well just one one point on the you know the travel advisor piece I mentioned that we do these modules on a quarterly basis we do have a a module dedicated to travel advisors uh this quarter and summer edition It's available now so it gives a pretty good insight into the you know the reasons people say they use travel advisors as well as um you know, we, we break that down on a generational basis. So we see some differences in terms of why an older traveler would typically, you know, seek out the, the advice of a travel advisor and, and how that differs from a younger traveler doing the same thing. So it is a pretty interesting, uh, and there, there are definitely some differences. It's a pretty interesting analysis. But in terms of uh, recommendations, again, I think booking early is probably um, the, the biggest piece of advice because it, it is, you know, I, I don't know if you've tried to book travel recently, but uh, it is uh, it is amazing how much you'd expect to kind of taking a road trip and, and booking a you know, roadside kind of hotel motel. And, uh, you know, I used to do that about it half an hour out from those places as i traveled and now it's it's increasingly difficult to to find availability for things like that so uh, booking in advance planning ahead is certainly would be an important part of that and also you know looking at you know other options the rising uh, popularity of um, short-term rental uh companies airbnb verbo and others uh you know obviously great uh, options to consider you know for those who are typically used to considering a uh, only hotels it's 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 a very interesting uh, option that provides a uh, fair amount of flexibility and, and and great deal number of options that were previously not there so anyway something to consider as people plan travel this summer
0: for sure yeah flexibility is key you got to kind of venture out and maybe not do so much of what you've used to, especially if you haven't traveled in two years, things are definitely different now. So I appreciate you taking the time, Chris, and uh, tell people where they can find the uh, portrait of American traveler stuff and anything else you want to plug. Take it away.
1: Great, thanks very much, Eric, and, and again, uh, really enjoyed the the conversation. Uh, we uh, the portrait of American traveler summer edition is available uh, on our website. It's mmgy intel.com it's mmgyintel.com and you can purchase either the summer edition only or you can uh, purchase a full annual subscription which includes each of the four seasonal editions uh, other research is available including our uh, profile series of underrepresented traveler audiences uh, on the black traveler uh, our vistas latina study uh, for uh, looking at hispanic American travelers. And uh, we're going to be releasing our uh, portrait of travelers with disabilities uh, with a focus on mobility and accessibility here at the end of July. So a, real, a lot of interesting stuff we're looking at. And uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it's definitely an, an exciting time to be in the travel business.
0: Absolutely. It really is. And I love that you guys are uh, doing so many different variations, too, not just a, a quarterly thing, but also taking a look at that diverse uh, options as well. So that—that that is fantastic. So. That is all the time we have on the Travel Pulse podcast this week. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email handle. You can reach out with any feedback, comments, or leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.